Welcome to the Change Management Review Podcast, where we bring the best of change management to you. In this episode, Managing Editor Brian Gorman talks with Robin Hills, Director of EI for Change, about the role that emotional resilience plays in our work, the effect of emotion on resilience, and the importance of empathy. We hope you enjoy this installment of the Change Management Review Podcast. Welcome to the Change Management Review Podcast. I'm Brian Gorman, Managing Editor of Change Management Review, and my guest today is Robin Hills. Robin is a business psychologist and emotional intelligence trainer. He is the director of EI for Change, a company specializing in educational training, coaching, and personal development focused around emotional intelligence, positive psychology, and neuroscience. His educational programs have been delivered to over 250,000 people in 185 countries. Robin is a keynote speaker and the author of two books, including the one that is the focus of our conversation today, The Authority Guide to Emotional Resilience in Business Strategies to Manage Stress and Weather Storms in the Workplace. Welcome, Robin. Brian, it is a pleasure to be on your podcast. Thank you for inviting me along to speak to you. So there is no question that wherever you are in the globe, in the world, we've got a lot of stress, a lot of storms in the workplace today. Can you begin, Robin, by giving us your definition of resilience and why it's so important right now? Sure. Um, Most people seem to have a definition of resilience, which involves bouncing back. But I I think that's a little bit limiting because uh, if people are undergoing major change through stress, stress management and undergoing personal circumstances that cause them to undergo personal change, they will learn from that. They will grow from that and they won't bounce back to a situation that was before. They won't bounce back to a state that was before. So my definition of resilience is quite simple. It's having an understanding that life is meaningful and having a core set of values and principles that drive you forward to an unknown future and having the creativity and flexibility to adapt to circumstances as they unfold. Now, many of those circumstances, we would rather not unfold in the way that they do, but it's having that flexibility, it's having that adaptability to cope with these changes, knowing that you're doing the right thing in the right way, and that things will become better at some point. You've just got to work through them and learn through them. The change management review community consists of change practitioners and change leaders. What role do you see emotional resilience playing in the work that we're doing? I think it's a fundamental part to everything that change managers, change practitioners do. It's having the ability to work with emotions, your own and those of other people. Uh, Firstly, recognizing your own emotions and that you are 
experiencing those emotions for a particular reason. Um, if I may, Brian, at this point, I'd like to um, just destroy one of those myths out there that emotions are positive or negative. And people refer to negative emotions and positive emotions all the time. No, emotions are emotions. We experience them for a reason. We're, we experience them for physiological and psychological reasons in order that we can prepare, prepare ourselves for the change that we are facing. So they're not positive or, or negative. Yes, they may be unpleasant at times. They may be very pleasant at times. But what we've got to learn is that these emotions contain information. And if we can then recognize the information and utilize that information in positive ways, then we can move forward. As I say, some of the emotions may be unpleasant. Uh, we need to look at these unpleasant emotions and work with them constructively. So as leaders, change managers, change practitioners, it's recognizing that you will undergo a certain series of emotions as you lead people through a change management process. Now, everybody here, and I, I don't need to tell everybody here about the change management curve, uh, the Kubler-Ross is the favoured one, um, but we've moved away from the Kubler-Ross change management curve because it focuses on grief and bereavement. Uh, the change management curve that we refer to is John Fisher's change management curve, which goes into a lot more detail in terms of the emotional phases and allows people to move off the curve from time to time. So it's recognizing these emotions, these emotional phases, these emotional stages that people go through and having the ability to, first of all, recognize them in yourself. And secondly, recognizing and supporting people as they're going through the change management curve, the change management process in their own way. What is the impact of emotion on resilience? Emotions underpin resilience, because if you're not using your emotions in an appropriate way, then you're not, you haven't got the capacity or the capability of working with your resilience. So how you actually regulate your emotions, how you manage your emotions will actually motivate you to drive yourself forward and lead other people as you're undergoing and working through change. Robin, emotional intelligence is really at the core of so much of the work that you do. Can you tell us the relationship between emotional intelligence and emotional resilience? Yes, that, that's a very interesting question, Brian, because a lot of people uh, make the assumption that resilience is a component of emotional intelligence. Uh, it is to some extent. Um, if we look at the various academic models of emotional intelligence, uh, all of them look at Emotions, obviously, because we're looking at emotional intelligence. But um, most of them split emotional intelligence into two 
stages, phases, components. I, I don't know how you would describe it. But the, the first one is the inner world. It's what goes on inside your head, your body. What is going on with your psychology? What is going on with your physiology? Because nobody else knows that, only you. And so the two components of that are self-perception, self-awareness, and emotional regulation, emotional management. And then we look at the other component, the other part of emotional intelligence, which is the outer world, the outer world of things, people and circumstances. And these are things that we have absolutely no control over. But to engage in the outer world, we need to use our empathy, our ability to build up interpersonal relationships with other people and use our social skills in order to formulate these quality relationships and make good decisions. Uh, and then some of the other models of emotional intelligence will build in other factors, which include things like decision-making, problem-solving, understanding of reality, objectivity. And they will also bring in stress management, which involves things like flexibility, optimism, and stress tolerance. And it's really that stress tolerance where resilience would sit. But I would then bring it back into the inner world and say, first and foremost, it's about how you're working with and how you're understanding and interpreting and expressing your own emotions. You begin your book with a quote by Napoleon Hill. The strongest oak in the forest is not the one that is protected from the storm and hidden from the sun. It is the one that stands in the open where it is compelled to struggle for its existence against the winds and the rains and the scorching sun. In the business environment of today, it can feel like we're facing the winds and the rain and the scorching sun. What are some of the action strategies you recommend for developing resilience? Well, firstly, can I build upon Napoleon Hill's excellent quotation by bringing us back to this idea of resilience? There is a paradox of resilience, and I end the book with the paradox. And the paradox is actually saying that um, you, well, I, I, I will praise it, uh, you actually can't become resilient unless you've actually gone through adversity. So um, I, I'm sure if you can find the quote in the book, uh, it's expressed better than that. But effectively, uh, you cannot hide away, uh, crawl underneath a rock and expect to come out being resilient when the world is changing around you. You've actually got to face it. You've actually got to weather the storms, you've got to be battered by the elements in order to understand yourself and you grow through that and become a better person because of it, not despite it. So to go back to your original question, what are the uh, action strategies? There are a number of different action strategies that we can look at. The first is linked to my definition of resilience, and that's create a personal vision. What is it that you want out of life? Where do you want to go? What do you want uh, to happen? Uh, what do you want to 
achieve within your life so that at the end of your life, you're not looking back with any regrets and say, oh, I wish I had. Um, because if you're looking at yourself now and you think that that might be the case, get on with it. Be proactive, which is another action strategy. What is it that you need to do? You need to know that life is not perfect and things are going to go wrong. Uh, if they're not going wrong, there's something wrong. <laughs> so expect things to go wrong and plan for them. So have that adaptability and flexibility to work around the situations as they unfold, as they change around you. Uh, you may not like it, but what is it you can do to get the most from that situation? Then it, a lot of it is building up uh, relationships with other people, making sure that you've got the connections that you need in order to achieve what it is that you want to achieve. But more importantly, have those emotional connections. So when things are not going well, when things are causing you anxiety, frustration, annoyance to the point of intense anger, which is starting to be very unpleasant and extremely destructive to you and the way in which you are working and living your life, who is it that you can turn to to get some emotional support? Because if you haven't got that, you're not going to be resilient. So who is it? Is it a friend? Is it a colleague? Is it a partner? Is it a family member? Do you need to go and seek some professional help? Now, I don't mean that in the clinical or the medical sense, although that may be necessary. I mean, in terms of having a coach, uh, having somebody who you can talk to and have a good cathartic moan. Now, it may not achieve anything in terms of changing your situation, but boy, you feel good afterwards. You can come out and face the world and all its to toils and tribulations much better because you've had that. So there are some action strategies hidden within there, and I put some more action strategies in the book, and I'm sure they're covered within that. So uh, hopefully that answers the question. It does. Thank you. I want to go back to your hide under a rock comment, because one of the things that is not surprising, I guess, is the number of very senior business leaders who seem to be trying to emerge from the rock under the rock as if nothing has changed in the world. What advice do you have for those leaders? Well, I, I think what they need to do is to check their reality and they need to have conversations with other people to determine how they're feeling, what their emotional state is, what their thoughts are, and see whether the leader's interpretation of reality is a correct one. Now, anybody who is working in a good leadership position will be doing that all the time. And my concern for today's leaders is that they think they've got the answer and they come out from under the rock and they're all right. 
they're fine. They've come through this adversity unscathed. And they have this accept that they have this um, view of the world that everybody else is accepting of the world in the same way. Well, what we've got here perhaps is not a lack of resilience. What we've got here is too much resilience. And these leaders have lost the capacity to empathize. Um, and if I look at the change curve and you put these leaders at the other end of the change curve, having gone through the change and looking back through the curve, everybody else is at some different stage or phase on the change curve. So you go back into the change curve and say to them, what's happening? What's going on for you in your life? What is it that I'm missing? What support can I give you? How can I help you? How can I help you to work through the change process to come to the same point that I'm at, if indeed that is the right point to be at? So it's it's going back to the fundamental principles of good leadership. You are leading and asking people. You're not managing and telling people. You've mentioned the word empathy a few times, Robin. And the more I, I talk to business leaders, the more I talk to uh, change practitioners, the more I, I talk to other coaches such as myself, it really, I believe, is a time where great empathy is an important element of helping people and organizations successfully move into whatever the future of work holds for us. Any thoughts on that or on how one might develop and, and, and bring empathy more strongly into management leadership? Well, firstly, I think we need to define empathy so that we're both talking about the same component here. Empathy really is understanding the view of the world from other people's perspectives. It's understanding their thoughts. It's understanding their feelings. It's understanding why they're thinking the way that they do, why they're behaving the way that they do. You don't necessarily need to agree with those thoughts. You don't necessarily need to agree with those behaviors. You just need to understand. And it, it goes back to very, very, very basic coaching principles of asking the right questions. And then it's the other very basic component of coaching, learning how to listen and listen beyond the words that are being used. So um, empathy is really treating another person like an equal and saying, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know your circumstances. I don't know you. So help me to understand what it is that I can do to help and support you. What is it that you need from me in order to grow and to develop and not to make assumptions about people? The other thing that I need to do is just to clarify that empathy is not sympathy. When you're sympathizing with somebody, you're taking more of a superior position or you're utilizing your emotions to make yourself feel better. Um, people don't want sympathy. People want people to understand them. They want that empathy. And uh, so if we're looking at empathy in terms of 
seeing the world through other people's viewpoints, we will do it much better and much more effectively. And it's lifelong learning. People tell me that I'm quite empathetic, uh, very empathetic. I, I don't like to think of myself that way, just simply because there's an arrogance there that I just do not want to uh, to have around my ability to empathize. I'm still learning. I don't think I'm very good at it. Uh, I have to work hard at it, and it's work in progress, and I'm still working on it, and I will never get to that point where I think, oh, I'm there. And just one other thing here, Brian, which I think is fundamentally and vitally important around empathy. Uh, when we're talking about some of the changes in the working world, we are faced with the threat of artificial intelligence, the rise of the robots. Now, whatever happens in terms of artificial intelligence, certainly in my lifetime, uh, and I, I don't think this will ever ever happen, um, robots will never be able to use empathy. They can give a very good simulation of it, but empathy is what makes us human. When we're empathizing with other people, we're creating a neural set of connections which uses mirror neurons that the other person is working and developing themselves. So by utilizing empathy, we're actually creating ourselves and we're actually growing and developing. So a key tip here for everybody, when you're faced with the rise of the robots, Remember what it is that the robots can't do, and that's empathy. So if you're looking at keeping you and your job safe, where is it that you're using empathy? And excel at that, because the robots could never do that bit. Robin, I think that's a great place for us to wrap this up. I want to thank you so much for your time and, and for sharing your wisdom with us. It's been a pleasure, Brian. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Change Management Review podcast with Brian Gorman, Managing Editor of the Change Management Review, and Robin Hills. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and like us on LinkedIn.